Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Focus on prayer, whether it's just uh, spending time in prayer or if it's just ministering a little bit more on the subject of prayer. So we will do that or get into that in just a moment. But obviously, uh, we want to give you the opportunity just to give into the ministry and whether you're giving your tithe or your offering. But uh, I just want to share something with you just before we take up the offering. Uh, you realize that on Wednesday night we have church prayer starting at 530 and uh, we just purpose to pray out the plan of God, praying out the direction that he would have. And uh, one of the things that uh, was said or that my wife uh, began to pray or I heard her say was she said, you've not forgotten Flint. And when she said that, it just went off in my spirit that God says, I've not forgotten Flint. And when that resonated or that statement, then the Lord said to me, he said, and that's why I've sent you here. And, I, and it, really, it really got me. It almost made me start to, to cry because it's just like we always look at the shortcomings, the difficulties, the trials, and we make it personal, thinking, oh, dear God, and you want to feel sorry for yourself. And the whole purpose of why we're here is because God hasn't forgotten Flint. And so you're here and you're saying, yeah, you know, uh, we've heard this and we've believed for this and we've hoped for this and yet here's where we're at. But you got to understand that the reason that you're here is because God hasn't forgotten Flint. And this is what the Lord drew me to when he, he uh, shared or when he said that to me. He took me over to Matthew chapter 9 and it's starting in verse 35. And it says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. So he went about all the cities, again, population, so Flint is a city, and the villages, it says, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So in other words, he was having church. And then it goes on to say here in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then it goes on to say, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, a few. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. So he said that he went to the cities. He was conducting church. But then he looked around in those cities that he went to and he was moved with compassion because there was no shepherd. Well, what's another term for shepherd is a pastor. Well, what's a pastor do? A pastor establishes a church. And so therefore, he's going and fulfilling what is needed. And therefore, he says now, he says there is need for there to be harvesters there for these people that I'm hurting for. And so what did he do? He established a local church. And so that's exactly why we're here. We're harvesters, and because he hasn't forgotten Flint is the whole purpose of why he has us here. 
Amen. Now, once again, I know there's other churches here, and I don't want to downplay the fact that they're here in this city, but the fact is, is that GBC wasn't a denominational church that was here for the last 60 years. We're a relatively new church in this community, and the whole reason why he planted us and placed us here is because he's not forgotten Flint. Amen? And so, the Bible says this in regards to harvest, whenever there's harvest, there has to be seed that's sown, right? And so every time that you give, you're giving in to the harvest. And therefore, just your giving alone makes you a harvester and makes what this church is called to do concerning the heart of God that he's not forgotten. Flint, it goes to reap the harvest. And, and just as we were praying uh, some things that, uh, man, it just lit up in my, my heart. It's like, man, praise God, this is the year of increase. This is the year of seeing God begin to do and fulfill what he's called this place to be. And in my spirit or in my, my own self, I'm thinking, but yeah, God, we've said that before. Yeah, God, we believe that for. Yeah, God, we've said and we've expected and here we are. And God says, it's not a residue of the past. If you were here, you heard those words say it's not a residue of the past it's a residue of the new and so that means that this is a season of harvest and it's all because of your faithfulness and I want you to really understand that is that you as an, a group of individuals are a core group to this church because you are faithful to come on Sunday morning Sunday night you serve and so therefore as a result of you there is harvest that's coming and, and when you think about it, I was talking with Jordan. He went up to Traverse City with me the other night. And we were just talking about some things that we're seeing within the church. And, and as we're talking, we're like, you know, it's easier to, 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 to make the statement of, I don't know when there was a Sunday that we didn't see somebody new than trying to go back to say, well, when was the last time that we didn't have new people? It's just like there's been so many Sundays now in a row that it's just like, Man, when was the last time that we haven't had somebody new here at church? So God is doing some amazing things. Amen. And, and for those of you that weren't here, my wife, she shared this. Uh, but again, it, it's worth repeating for the sake of you hearing it. Because again, you are the faithful lifeblood of this church. Uh, there was somebody that attended the church uh, on Sunday for the first time. And I guess the, the way I, uh, I think Sandy was the one that it, it had said it, they had like four children and so Sandy was saying hey listen we got kids church you can enjoy that and they were kind of reluctant to go into kids church and so these individuals they have moved up here from Virginia and I think it was last August and so they haven't been able to find a church home since last August and so just last week they called their old pastor they said man we had an amazing church down there and and they said we called our pastor and said will you just pray with us that we find a church for our family up here and so they came on Sunday. Uh, Sandy was telling them about kids' church, and they were a little reluctant. They, then she says, well, we've got basketball stuff in there. And so, man, they're like, okay, let's go. So they went into kids' church. And then at the end of kids' church, they just loved it and said, man, we can't wait to come back. And so the end of service, now, again, you've got to understand, it's Easter Sunday. People are busy. People got things that they're getting ready to do. But within a half hour, maybe an hour at tops, 
after church service, there was an email sent to the church and also posted on Facebook saying that we came from, West, or came from Virginia, been looking for a church, went through the whole story, and they said, you know, I didn't realize that I had a family that was starving spiritually. And he says, we have found home. And so now, again, people say that all the time. And so you may never see him again. I mean, that's just, those things happen. My point is, is that you guys are making a difference. And so as you give tonight, just understand, don't feel the pressure of saying, well, gosh, I got to give real big. If you want to give big and you're led to give big, great. There's a big harvest on big giving. But if you give and it's small, there's still a return. And I'm just saying, be led in your giving. But no, whenever you give, there's always a harvest. Because that's what we are. We're harvesters. And it's making a difference. Amen. Amen. Are you ready to give? Let's do it. I'll pray. And you can just get your millions ready. And we'll take up an offering. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to give tonight. God, we thank you that we are harvesters. And God, the reason that we are here is because you have not forgotten these people. You have been moved with compassion seeing the state of this county this city these people and therefore lord you've been moved with compassion to place us here for such a time as this and so god we thank you that there has been much seed that has been sown over the years uh, seeds of labor seeds of money seeds of your word and therefore it is now the season and the time to reap double and we declare it in jesus name and everyone said amen let's go ahead the Lord. Amen. Uh, in addition to that, just in, in terms of where we're at uh, as a church and just with the uh, logistics of things we, we've been mentioning to you or we've said to you that in regards to the bank, we found a bank that was, that has uh, come into or said so they will partner with us. The interest rate in which they gave us was the lowest. In fact, uh, different, uh, our board and our advisors um, they've said, man, we can't believe the deal that they gave you. And so disbelieving for supernatural favor, uh, we're believing uh, that obviously all the, the money's coming in. And uh, you might step back and say, well, how is that going to happen? What if and what will happen? There is no what if. God hasn't put us here to, to just come to an end. Uh, and so it, it's not a matter of what if. It's the money will come in Jesus' name. Now, in addition to that, uh, just in your personal life, just make that just a matter of prayer. God, we thank you that the money will come. And if you start to find yourself getting nervous in your head and thinking about the what-ifs, just out loud, stop it and say, the money will come in Jesus' name. Thank you. Now, in addition to that, I just ask you, we're, we're, they're, they're coming to do appraisals on the properties. And so you understand that if everything appraises well, it serves us better. You know, we've already have a, an agreed upon uh, price of, of what we purchased the building for. But appraisals or a good appraisal will, will serve us very well. So let's just pray and agree together that the appraisal will be far more. You know, the Bible says that God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so therefore, we know that whatever uh, 
whatever the, the market is, it's going to be to our favor and uh, be a blessing to us. So just put your faith on that with us, and we will appreciate it. Amen? All right. So let's jump into this tonight in regards to uh, what we've been talking about. We said that we are uh, reserving our fourth Wednesdays of the month to really kind of talk about prayer. Uh, we've been talking or started a series, if you will, or just a topic a couple of weeks ago mentioning or talking about our identity in Christ. And so when you begin to understand your identity in Christ, it really begins to affect how you pray or your demeanor in prayer. And when I started, I shared some examples with you uh, concerning the Propel Conference uh, if you were here at Propel, this will be something that you would have heard. But Pastor Jerry, he had ministered a session during Propel. And in that session, he had said this. He was talking really about having the right mentality and the right thought press process concerning how God looks and views us as individuals. And then he said, I want you to do something. He said, everybody close your eyes. And he says, now, just imagine that Jesus just walked into the auditorium and he's come down the aisle and he sat down right next to you and he's put his arm around you and he's beginning to talk to you and then he says what's he saying what did Jesus just say to you and then he says okay everybody look at me and he says okay anybody tell me tell me what did Jesus say he says raise your hand and so he went about the room asking different individuals what did he say and one said, well, I love you. And another one said, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of you or whatever it is. And there was probably about four or five different individuals that he asked that question. And every single time he asked them, what did he speak to you? It was always something affirming, something positive, something of his love in his heart towards them. And he brought that out and says, have you noticed that not one single person said anything negative about what the Lord would say to them? And I think too often that's how we see ourselves or we think of ourselves of how God views us. And that is, is that we're just a mess up. That we're constantly letting God down. That we're not qualified. How could God use me? What does God think about me? And I just constantly beat myself down. And we think that God is looking at us that way. But in the truest sense of the, the, of the reality of a relationship with God, he's not doing that. His heart is full of compassion. And so, therefore, if we begin to understand that God is truly in our corner, loving us, cheering us on, believing the best of us, then that just totally changes our interaction with God. It changes how we respond and how we communicate with Him if we see ourselves correctly, right? I mean, again, doing... Marriage counseling with, with individuals. You know, you'll sit down and talk with a husband and a wife. And you consistently hear this, that concerning the marriage interaction, one begins to respond because of how one communicates to the other. Whether it's, I just stopped trying. Or I just stopped communicating. Or I just gave up because every time, this is how you respond. Or I don't even bother anymore because I don't think that you care or that you really uh, are interested in, in me as a person or my concerns or whatever it might be. And so therefore, as a result of what you think the other person thinks about you, it shuts down the intimacy or the communication between spouses, right? 
So again, if you think of that, if that does, if we do that with our spouses, our children, our natural relationships, it would apply to God as well if we think that God is disappointed with us. You wouldn't go to God with any kind of confidence or security or having any boldness about your approach to God because you're thinking, God, man, you're just, you're disappointed with me. I've messed up. But once again, that is really not how God views us. And so again, learning our identity of who we are in Christ begins to change our approach, our relationship with God. And when it comes to our prayer life, we're really just talking with God, it changes. So let me bring to your attention, if you're taking notes, if you have your Bibles, in Philemon chapter 4, verse Actually, I don't think I wrote the chapter down, but it's in verse 4 and 5. So just write that down and, you know, you can search it out and find what chapter it is. So forgive me for not having the right chapter. But this is what it says in Philemon. It says, or maybe Philemon. Has Philemon just got one chapter? I forget. Huh? Just one chapter? All right. So there you go. Chapter 1, the only chapter. Verses 4 through 6. He, this is Paul speaking. He says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Notice the word prayers. Verse 5 says, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, let me read that again. It says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers hearing of your love and faith that you have towards Jesus and towards the body of Christ. So think about that. The Bible says that he's talking with God, just having communication. He says, man, he says, I've been talking with God. And he says, man, I, just, I keep coming back and having a conversation with God about you. And he said, the reason I keep having this conversation to God about you is because of your love and your faith toward Jesus, and not only your love and your faith toward Jesus, but just your love towards people, and he says, it impresses me so much, and it just blesses me that I keep talking to God about you, and then the Amplified says it this way in verse 6, he says, and I pray that you or that the participation in and the sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification in Christ and unto His glory. So there's a lot that's in those verses. It's extremely meaty, and there's so much that we can extract out of those three verses, but we tend to just glaze right over him. So what's he again saying? He says, I talked to God about your love and your faith. But then he also says, what also impresses me is your participation. Your participation with the acknowledgement or your identification in Christ. So in other words, your participation means your engagement, your interaction with your buy-in to who you are and to everything that's in you in Christ. He says, that impresses me. 
So once again, notice it says that concerning all these good things that are in us, that are in Christ, we have to participate with them. We have to engage with them. We have to, again, begin to have a buy-in to what's in us in Christ. Secondly, we see that in regards to that verse, it says that our faith, our faith isn't functional if I don't acknowledge the good things that are in me that are in Christ. So in other words, if I don't understand all that's in me because of him, then my faith doesn't work the way that it should. Right? I mean, it's no different if, if we get in the car and I say, hey, Chuck, I say, you know, you know can I hitch, hitch a ride with you? Can we, we go down to the road uh, to wherever? And he says, yeah, go on. Let's, let's jump in. So we're in his car. But he says, you know what? I don't have any gas in the car. We're in the car, but he's saying in the car, there is no gas in the car. And so because we don't acknowledge the fact that, there's not, that there is gas, or he's saying that there's not gas in there, it doesn't give us the ability to cooperate with or engage with or have the faith to go on driving down the road. Because he says even though we're in the car, there's nothing in the car. Does that make sense? And so the same thing is applicable when it comes to our faith. If we don't understand what's in us, even though we're in Christ, we still can't operate or function in the faith or this faith life or this faith walk that God desires for us because we don't know what's in us. Once again, we see that there's, he says, every good thing, he says, participating with and having knowledge with and understanding the good things that are in you. So he didn't say that there's just one thing. He says acknowledging every good thing that's in you, that's in Christ. So that means there's a whole lot more in you than we've even begun to understand. That means that there's a whole lot more digging of good things that are in here. And once again, there's so many times people say, well, you know what? We receive Christ. I'm in Christ. Therefore, I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. And thank God we are because we're in him. But he says, that's not all there is. If it was, he would have said, acknowledging the good thing. But he says, acknowledging every good thing that's in us, that's in Christ. And then lastly, that also must mean that God sees us differently than we see ourselves. If there's all these good things in us that he's saying, you have been blessed and you impress me because you acknowledge those good things in you, then that must tell us that there's a whole lot of people that are not acknowledging the good things that are in us, and therefore God again sees us a whole lot different than what we see ourselves. Amen? And so we're learning how to identify those things. Are uh, identifying our identity in Christ. And so, concerning that scripture, he says again saying, uh, in verse 6, he says that you share of your faith and become effective, you become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So, that must mean that we have to acknowledge the right now. Does that make sense? We have to acknowledge the right now position that we're in. 
And so many times when we begin to ask that question, what is your right now? Immediately what many people start doing is they start looking at their circumstances. They start looking at their status. They start looking at what's going on in their life. And they say, this is what's going on right now. But he says, no, I want you to acknowledge every good thing that's in you. So that means there is a right now in Christ. And so what does my right now in Christ look like? Amen? If I was to ask you, how does your body feel right now? Sick? Okay, that's an immediate right now in the physical, but what about in him? Right now, I'm the healed of the Lord in Jesus' name. The Bible says, uh, or uh, if I was to ask you, and I say, well, how do you feel right now? And you're saying, man, I'm just tired. I just barely made it to come to church today. Well, then I could say, well, in him, and because we're in him, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, ha, 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 I'm going to stir up joy on the inside, and I'm going to receive strength because I'm in him. That's my immediate right now. But are you seeing the difference? There are too many people that are looking at the right now of what they see in the mirror or the circumstances that they're going through rather than understanding who they are in him and what's in them for being in him. And once I begin to understand and acknowledge and cooperate with and engage in, what I end up experiencing is the right now in God. In Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, look at what it says here. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So let me read that first part to you again. It says, blessed be the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Everybody says, say has. He has blessed us. So if he has blessed us, our right now position, are we waiting for the blessings to come? Okay. If he has blessed us, does that mean that it's future? Does it mean that it's present? Or does it mean that it's past? It's the past. He has blessed us. So in other words, he's already done it, which makes my present position right now blessed because of what he has done. But see, too many individuals, when they don't acknowledge, don't understand, don't engage with in him realities of all those good things that are in us, we are continually, continually waiting for the blessing to show up, waiting for it to become a reality, waiting for God to somehow, some way, do something when he says, I've already done something, and the blessing was already done back then. Amen? So I'm acknowledging who I am in Christ. Once again, think about it from the standpoint of how that affects us in prayer. The Bible says, in him, I am already healed. Then therefore, when I go to God, am I going to God asking God for him to do something? Or am I going to God and asking him to fulfill in me what he's already done? In truest form, God, I thank you that I'm the healed of the Lord. I thank you that the healing power of God is working mightily within my body. I thank you that it's quickening the bible says in uh, uh, hebrews i believe it is it says it's quickening my mortal body 
That word quickening means to make alive. So therefore, the Word of God says that the Spirit of God is moving within us, and therefore, I don't have to wait for it. It's already working on my behalf. But if I don't know who I am, if I don't know what those good things are, I'm somehow looking for them to show up. Make sense? But they're already ours in Him. Continuing, there's a different translation that says it this way concerning Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. So in other words, whatever heaven has is available to me. Come on. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. Is there any poverty and lack in heaven? No. Is there any depression in heaven? No. Is there anything that's missing in heaven? No. And so therefore, the Bible says that all that heaven has to offer is already mine now. It's just a matter of shifting my thinking and thinking correctly about God. Amen. Once again, we're trying so hard to get God to do something, but he's already done what he's going to do. We just have to know what's available for us being in Christ, those good things. As I said, if we were to ask questions to people as to their right now circumstance or how, what is their right now, most people would say their right now is based upon how do I feel right now. My right now is based upon what do I have right now. How do I, or, or uh, how do things look right now? Or even to say, what's my mood right now? Am I in the mood right now? Right? I'll be the first to tell you that my mood sometimes don't want to engage with the way I should act. Right? Well, why? Just because you want to be frumpy, dumpy? It's just your attitude. So you adjust your attitude. Amen? Again, for that matter, how many of you, that work that are, that are currently employed, if you get up early in the morning, how many of you are real eager just to jump out of bed and you start whistling the song from the, you know, the seven dwarves, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go, right? We don't get out of bed just all excited about the day. In fact, probably many of you, you, walk up, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't feel like going to work today. I don't feel good today. And that's how we oftentimes live life is how I wake up and how I feel. Well, we got to get to the place where I didn't ask you, body, how you feel. I don't ask, I'm not asking you whether you feel like going to work. You're going to work. Well, what about when it comes to trusting God at his word? I don't care how you feel. We are going to act like the word of God is true. Amen. In fact, uh, Marty, he was sharing with us a, a few years back. Um, you know, back in the day, uh, what was it, back 2008, the recession fell. You know, or I should say the, the marking fell and the recession hit. And so for a traveling minister, that was almost debilitating to him as a traveling minister. Because what happens as a pastor, the church starts to struggle Therefore, the budget starts to struggle, and therefore, churches stop inviting in traveling ministers, right? He said it was so bad, 
And again, this, he just told us this this past time. He said, it was so bad, he said, I had to go sell my truck to the pawn shop and refinance my truck through the pawn shop just so I could go buy groceries. And he said, I never told anybody that I was struggling. He said, man, I was struggling so bad financially. He said, it's, a, it's only a miracle that we didn't lose our house during that time. He said, but I was struggling so bad. He said, man, I had ulcers. He said, my hair was falling out. He said, it was just horrible. And he says, and I was driving down the road listening to Brother Hagin and Brother Hagin talking about how we're just going to act like the Word of God is true. And he said, I got to the point I'm driving down in Atlanta traffic. He said, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. He says, I rolled down my, head, my, my window, held my head out the window and screamed, the Word says it, that settles it and I'm acting like it's real and he said I screamed it out the window in the middle of of, of Atlanta traffic and he said that broke it he said after doing that he said I started getting calls from churches again he said but I started carrying the weight and the heaviness and the load of all the right now circumstances But when he decided to say, right now the word of God says, right now God is my source, right now God is moving on my behalf, he said it broke it and it started moving things. And praise the Lord, it got them back on course and everything got back to snuff. Well, once again, it doesn't mean that just because you're a preacher that, man, you learn or or you know how to do this stuff perfectly. No, we, we have right now circumstances that we have to walk through and live out by faith just like you. In fact... I had mentioned to you that, you know, I uh, went up to a church uh, to get some stuff uh, uh, just this past week on Monday. And uh, so when we were up there, you know, it's a good friend of mine. And uh, we're enjoying company. But I'm looking at their church, and they got a very nice church, and they're doing some very nice things. And, and I'm looking around their church. I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. It looks nice around here. You know, they're doing some great things, you know. And, and so, you know, all the while, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it must be nice. must be nice. You know, praise the Lord. must be nice. You know, just, yeah, like that. looks good. Yeah, must be nice, you know. And... Uh, so, I just kind of chewing on that. And so, uh, it was yesterday morning, um, I dropped the kids off from school, and I'm still chewing on stuff from Monday. I'm like, yeah, it must be nice, it must be nice, you know, praise the Lord. And uh, so, I, I can st- still see where I'm at. I dropped the kids off at school, I'm sitting at the light in town, and I'm, sa- and I'm not saying it out loud, I'm just thinking it. And I said in my head, well, it must be nice, you know. You can do anything if you got money. I said, you know, yeah, all you need is a little money. You know, all you need is a little help. You know, yeah, if I had this help, if I had that help, if I had somebody over here doing this, yeah, I could do that thing. And the Lord said to me, he said, you are binding yourself to the spirit of poverty and lack because of your words and the way that you're thinking. And then he reminded me of what he told me several years ago. He said, you need to change your attitude. And he says, you'll never talk lack again, for you walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm like, whew. All right, Lord, sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's, I'm just as susceptible to, as you are to have the little pity parties and say, well, God, sure, be nice. But the moment you do that, what are you doing? You're not acknowledging every good thing that is in you that is in Christ. You're looking at your right now circumstance, not looking at your right now circumstance. But my right now circumstance in Christ says that I have all that I need, that he is my source, he's my supply, and therefore if I'll trust him, change my attitude, and walk by faith and not by sight, I'll have exactly what he said. But the moment I stop looking at what he said and looking at what I see... 
I limit myself and I limit my ability to walk in all the good things even though I'm in him. Amen? And so we've got a purpose to identify what he's done. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, <clears throat> notice what he says here. He says, let no, if, uh, Jordan, if he's, he's, he's a quick wit back there, so let me give him the right one. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 through 32. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So notice what it says here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So that means that communication can corrupt or co communication can propel or communication can bring life. So your communication can corrupt whatever's going on in your life. Notice what he says. He says, now, concerning what comes out of your mouth, make it good and the good things edify or build so he just said that acknowledge every good thing that's in you that is in Christ so therefore I've got to hook up my communication with the good things that are in me or once again I can look at my right now circumstance and talk my right now circumstance naturally and it corrupts the good things that are in me for being in Christ. All right? Then he goes on to say this. That it may minister grace to the hearer. So, you as an individual need to hear you speaking about your circumstance, your situation, your body, your doctor report, your bank account, whatever it is. You need to begin to talk to it, not corrupt it, but bless it by the words. And it says that those words that proceed out of your mouth edify, but it also gives grace. That word grace is God's empowerment to the hearer. So I start reminding myself. Oh, my right now situation isn't what I see over here. My right now situation is what I see right here in God's word. And therefore, as I begin to let those good things come out of my mouth of who I am in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I, I'm more than a conqueror. My God is my source and my supply. Oh, praise the Lord with God, nothing is impossible. As I begin to communicate those things, it begins to edify and build up on the inside of me. And then it says that it gives grace or empowerment or God's empowerment to me to make it a reality in my life. And it's all through the communication. Now, once again, remember the first word that, or the first scripture we, we, we looked at? It says that I talked to God about your love and your faith towards Him. The only way that your faith is effectual is if your mouth is moving. If your mouth isn't moving, your faith isn't working. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is an impossible thing for you to have the God kind of faith, but stay silent. And so, you've got to use your mouth 
to hook up, cooperate with, to agree with what God said so that when you hear it, praise the Lord. That's a greater reality in my life because of who I am in Him versus the reality that's over here. Because again, we're talking about prayer, right? This aids in my walk with God. When it comes to praying for individuals, in fact, uh, let me just share this with you. I, I was talking about just how God's called us to be a voice and, and called us here because God hasn't forgotten Flint. You see, God needs you, the body of Christ. God needs you, the church, to embrace and understand this because you are bringing that empowerment to people. Now, has anybody saw that story on the news of the little boy that got thrown over the third balcony of the mall did you hear that it was over in minnesota and if you heard the story the guy that did it said that he was disgruntled and he was going there to actually hurt somebody but he couldn't get around the right people and so this something came over him he grabbed the little boy and threw the little boy over the edge of the balcony three stories high hits the floor now i've seen those articles on facebook and every time I saw that, I've scrolled over it because I just didn't want to see it. I didn't want to read it. And, and every time I saw it, I'm like, oh, Lord, bless him. Lord, help him. Lord, whatever's going on, just minister to that little boy. But I didn't want to read it because I was thinking to myself, man, what if somebody threw my little boy over the, the balcony? I mean, it just, I didn't want to hear, oh, man, this boy's hurting, this boy's dying. So I would scroll over it. Well, then Kelly, she found a, a, a video on Facebook last night. And it's pastors that we know. And I don't know, in fact, maybe you might know him, uh, Mac and Lynn Hammond. He started talking about that little boy. He says, you might not know it. He says, but that little boy and so and he's describing it. He says, they've been faithful members of our church for many years. He says, their family has been here for many years. You know, many, multiple generations. And he says, uh, we went up to the hospital and he said, we had communion with the family, and we prayed over the little boy. And he said, so, he said, just this past week or just yesterday or whatever it was, uh, they put him in the MRI to just uh, do some tests. And he said, now, they expected he would have brain damage. They were expecting that he had had internal injuries. They were expecting that he would have uh, uh, spinal cord issues. He said, when they did the MRI, he said there was not one thing wrong that they found with the little boy. Said there was at one point in time a little bit of internal bleeding, but that stopped just as they prayed. And so he is making a recovery, and he says the doctor said this can only be explained by a miracle. Three stories, a little boy gets hurled over the edge. When the mom runs down... He says that, and this is the stories, that all she said, and everybody's panicking, she says, just pray, just pray, just pray. And so, number one, as I said to you before, it's so important for you to be in the right church 
And that's why a church like this is so important to this community because the devil is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But thank God that that woman, that mother, that little boy had a pastor, had a church that says we know how to trust God. We know how to believe God because we know who we are. We know all those good things that are in us, that are in Christ. So therefore what the enemy came to bring as death and destruction, the grace of God and the empowerment of God is going to set this little boy free. And praise the Lord, he's on the road to recovery. Amen? And so once again, we can just be those individuals that just look at the natural life and circumstances and say, oh, poor me. Oh, you just never know. But God says there's things that are in you that are in Christ. Amen? So notice again, he says, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But then notice verse 30. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So your words, when you get negative, oh, and, and, and it's never going to happen. Oh, dear God, blah, blah, blah. Well, when you start talking that way, acting negative, thinking negative, the Bible says that it actually grieves the heart of God. Why? Because he don't look at you the way you look at you. He don't see your right now circumstance like you see your right now circumstance. He sees your right now circumstance as he does in Christ. Verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So once again, your words are significant. But let me ask you, now again, this is a demeanor that we've got to approach with tenacity. Because your identity in Christ will cause you to have a boldness and a bulldog attitude in the face of adversity. But too often times people in the body of Christ sit under the word of God but yet don't hear. So, if it, well, I'll say it this way. In order to be negative, how many of you have ever found that it takes very little effort whatsoever to be negative? To think negative, to talk negative. I mean, man, it just, I don't know about you, me, it's a whole lot more easier to get negative, disgruntled, irritated, frustrated than it does to say, oh, happy day. Right? Why? Because it's just the flesh nature. But if in time, all we do is think negatively, talk negatively, you will train yourself to always be on the negative side. So by default, you will train yourself to only and merely see the right now of present circumstance, flesh, and everything else in the natural. So that's why he says... You have to be intentional to participate with. You have to engage it. Amen? How many of you realize that that whole negative attitude is... Uh, he says, put an effort forward to engage with who you are in Christ. So if I put little effort into something, another way of saying 
putting little effort into something is to say, you're just being lazy. Right? If I say, you know, I'm going to cut the grass, but I put very little effort into it, you know. And he's like, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> right? What, what, what do you say? You say, well, you're just being lazy. Right? You know, I didn't want to do this today. Well, why? I was feeling lazy. You realize that you can become lazy spiritually. And being lazy spiritually does not get you what God made available in Christ. And so I have to be intentional. I have to give forth an effort in order to do something. But here's what plays into that. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says, therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ if you recall in that verse in Ephesians where it says let no bitterness wrath anger clamor evil speaking come out of your mouth and then it goes on to say that God forgave you for Christ's sake why is it that we are so hard and so negative on ourselves sometimes because of unforgiveness toward ourselves or we condemn ourselves, right? In other words, I look in the mirror and I just, I don't like me. I don't like my life. And because I don't like me, I'm disappointed with me. I'm discouraged with me. I'm dissatisfied with me. What it does is it causes me to retreat and just exist and say, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like putting an effort. Yeah, I hear what's being said, but I just, I'm going to be lazy. And I don't say being lazy for the standpoint of being just a deadbeat. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just, I just don't want to put an effort forward. But God says there's no condemnation. So when I start seeing myself correctly in Christ... I can't condemn myself. I'm good. And there's good things in me. Man, there's all kinds of good things in me because I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, that means my faith is working. That means I can love people. That's what it says over there in Ephesians. He says, man, or uh, Philip, uh, Philemon, rather. He says, man, your faith and your love, man, I just talk to God about it all the time. So, therefore, I can learn to love me when I don't condemn me, and I can love other people because I don't condemn you. Why? Because there is no condemnation in God, and I'm in Him. And so, therefore, I'm free from the baggage of carrying this junk around all the time, looking at myself and saying, you're not worth it. And I just don't feel like giving an effort. But therefore, when I begin to understand, it causes my faith to arise. Amen? And do you realize that when it comes to God, there is nothing passive about God? When you begin to understand your identity in Christ, it will cause you to not be passive. And I know that people look at God a whole lot of weird ways. and That God's just this passive God. God's all merciful. God's peaceful do you realize that the mercy of God is not passive the mercy of God is aggressive his mercy is aggressively pursuing you his mercy is aggressive to love on you his mercy is, is aggressive to help you know who you are in Christ it's aggressive it's not a passive thing 
And so God wants us to aggressively participate with who we are in Him and all that is in us. And I'll just leave us with this thought here, or a couple thoughts. As we begin to identify who we are in Christ, what you end up doing is you begin to dethrone reason and you dethrone flesh. Do you know what I mean by that? When we hear the Word of God, we're like, wow, that sounds good. I could be free in my body. I can be free in my mind. That sounds good, but. And as soon as we say but, we put the reason on the throne before God. We take God off the throne and we put our reason up on the throne. And our reasoning, our religious thinking, or whatever it is, becomes God and becomes the final authority. But when we start to identify who we are in Christ, it dethrones that reason and it dethrones the flesh. And it allows who we are to come out. So, if all you could do is meditate on how much God loves you. And if the love of God for you became a reality... How do you think that would change your life? I mean, because we say that, yeah, God loves me, I know. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. We sing the song. But if I really believe God loves me, when I'm dealing with the physical ailments in my body, and I'm trying to pray, and I'm trying to be in faith, and I'm trying to combat what the doctor said, but if I really began to just, just meditate on the thought, God loves me. I'm loved by God. I mean, God loved me so much that he sent Jesus. If I meditated on just the love of God in the face of the worst diagnosis, faith would rise up to combat it. Because God loves me. Why am I afraid of that? Because the God that made everything loves me. And I'm so special to him that he sent Jesus for me. Why is there any fear? Because he loves me. When I'm facing financial stress or difficulties, God loves me. God knows the financial troubles that I'm in. And you might even be tempted to say, but it's my fault. But God loves me. If I meditated on the fact that God loves me, that thought of God loving me would begin to supersede the fact that, yeah, it's even my fault that I'm in this position. And therefore, the love of God is not condemning. It's forgiving. And so, because God loves me so much that he paid off a debt that I could not pay, that he canceled my debt for hell because he loves me, what is this little financial debt to God? He loves me. Just those few words, God loves me. If that became my real right now reality, it would change so much. It would change my prayer life. It would change my church life. It would change my work life. I mean, those that are dating, 
or wanting to find a husband or a wife. You know, I can't find nobody. I'm so lonely. Wish I could find somebody. Man, God loves me. <laughs> God loves me. Because God loves me. Man, it, any man or woman that would desire to be with me is lucky to be with me because God loves me. <laughs> I'm loved by God. And so that person's going to be one lucky person because God loves me. I mean, it just changes your whole attitude, right? God loves me. All right. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life